Hello, and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by StoryWorth and Masterclass. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and it's just the two of us. Yeah, uh, Christina uh, may be a little bit sick today, so um, you know, actually, as I'm as we're recording this, I'm thinking we should we should we should send her something to help (gasps) her get well soon. Do you know? You are very smart. What are the things that Christina loves most in the world? Um, I was thinking you could send her miso soup is good when you're sick. We could send her that. What about like a big Theranos hoodie? Would, you got one of those lying around? Would, you could send her your FTX hat. We could do that. Never. I was thinking we could send her a giant bucket of KFC <gasps> fried oh chicken. Oh, my God. Brianna. That's, that's yes. healthy, right? The saturated fat will like fat fight viruses, right? Uh, yeah, I think it'll heal viruses. her for sure. Yes, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. You go ahead and pull that up. Okay. Um, she likes well, dark meat, right? Uh, I think... Oh, oh gosh, I should remember this because of the last time that we did chicken. She's from the South. I bet she likes dark meat. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, you got you got the delicious chicken uh, like bone in for us last time. 100%. Although I had Popeyes, so mine was naturally better. Uh, yeah, it's fine. You know what? You 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 decide. It's up to you, and I will all pay half of whatever okay. you decide. It's it's for the show. It's the whole ten dollars. That's that's very humble. (laughs) Yeah, you know, for once, I I really decided to bust open Mama Simone's bank account (laughs) for friendship and love, folks. We have an exciting show for you today. We're going to be covering a little more on the story of Sam Bankman Fried and FTX, and then we are going to be talking about uh, the EU once again sticking its fingers into Apple's business, but maybe this time for more exciting reasons uh, than we have discussed before. Then for dessert, Brianna and I are going to be talking about some of our favorite games of the year. Yes. And our boosties, our subscribers uh, who get an ad-free version of the show and a bonus segment at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about uh, my upcoming documentary, uh, the trailer of which just came out this week. Uh, so we're just going to be chatting about that, talking a little bit about the uh, the genesis of it and FMVs in general. And that's going to be loose and fun. And the reason we're talking about that is because we're both tired. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna came to me with all these like, hard-hitting topics and i was like these are main show topics i, I was talking about pokemon talking about pokemon not running well the on response the to pokemon's graphically that's this not a hardcore topic tough. if i was like let's adjudicate this uh like even right now elon is throwing a fit because he's kicking people off twitter they're like tracking his private jet uh using publicly available faa data i would say okay that's a harder topic there's emotional exhaustion that could happen with that topic, right? This the the switch is not that. This just talking about some Pokemon, Simone. <laughs> it's main show content. Okay, everyone fine. deserves. It, it's democratic. <laughs> <sighs> People deserve to hear. <laughs> anyway, anyway, if you want to know about Pokemon, just know you have Simone to blame. I advocated for that. I we could be talking about Torchic right now. What and- if maybe our booster topic this week should be us uh, justifying and debating how we choose booster topics? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. listen, wow, if you want to learn more about that, head to relay.fm slash membership and uh, you can learn about how one could become a boostie to hear whatever it is that we're going to be talking about in the end of show segment. Uh, but for now, let us get into this week's news top story of the week sam bankman freed has been arrested in the bahamas he was charged in the u.s with several things wire fraud securities fraud money laundering violating campaign finance laws the sec and commodity futures trading commission have both filed against him uh the former sec uh levied a charge of defrauding equity investors and uh the commodity futures trading commission had a complaint i believe it was it was some kind of civil charge um 
his apology tour, in any case, has come to an end as he has been denied bail in the Bahamas. Um, I think they asked for $250,000 or something. His parents were there visiting him at the time. They happened or they, they didn't happen to go be visiting him. They went down to visit him because of one can imagine the problems that he's going through. Um, and, uh, so they got to be with him in court and watch him go to jail. <laughs> uh, according to the indictment, prosecutors believe that SBF has long used customers funds for his own projects, which ranged from political donations to real estate purchases. Uh, there have been some stellar, stellar quotes that have come out from John J. Ray, uh, the exec who dealt with the Enron fallout and who is now dealing with FTX. He's acting CEO right now. Uh, he called the cabal that ran the company, quote unquote, a small group of grossly inexperienced and unsophisticated individuals and said, quote unquote, we're dealing with a literal paperless bankruptcy. It makes it difficult to track. Um, yeah, absolutely bonkers how few records they ended up keeping. So far, SPF is the only person charged, but a really fascinating and just messy New York Times piece. Not The piece wasn't messy. Uh, the story was messy. Came out today about uh, SBF's parents and their involvement in the company. His father was an employee. Um, and Oh, his, I yeah. did not read this oh, for gosh. show prep. I'll, tell me, gonna, tell me about that. I'll link that. it to you. It's Okay. Because I know that uh, FBX had bought his parent, if I'm remembering correct, tell me if this is incorrect, but as I recall, SBF had invested in a ton of Bahamas uh, real estate, including uh, things for his parents, both of which, both of them whom were lawyers, correct? So, wow, if he's an employee there, that, that certainly seems like that's introducing legal culpability. His there. parents are both, I, I think it's Ellison's parents who are lawyers, but you are correct that uh, his parents are Stanford professors. Oh, so Stanford they are, professors. There, there, there's yes. been a, a narrative going around about how, you know, he's just the son of, of two college professors, but he's the son of two Stanford professors yeah. who have been at Stanford since the late 80s. Um, and let's see, I think I just dropped that link in WhatsApp for us. Thank you. Uh, in any case, uh, yeah, I mean, but you have it exactly right. Like they they were involved in real estate transactions. It's really not clear whether they knew anything, though. Um, his mother was only tangentially involved. Her political like charity network had received donations from sure. FTX. Um, so, oh my God, I apparently haven't opened WhatsApp in several months. It's loading months worth of messages on my laptop. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> anyway, so that, that's pretty much my, my overview of the situation it's your this mom week. really trying to get a hold of you. <laughs> I, I, oh, no. I do it on my phone. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. What do you think of all of these uh, these stories about the indictment and uh, the current oh, FTX situation? Okay, so let's let's take this one at a time. Uh, first of all, there have been a lot of people on this show that I've wanted to go to jail before. I would say, like uh, you know, I don't think Sam Bankman Fried is S tier. Like the fact that mm -hmm. he's <laughs> that he's defrauded uh, people out of billions, that's certainly something. Um, but you know, when you're invest investing in cryptocurrency, there's a high degree of risk that you are assuming. That said, you know, this is a bank account that they're under the impression they're putting it in, and he did just flat out seem to, according to what we know. Uh, to just siphon off billions of dollars into a secret account. So I'm I'm thinking we've got an A tier need to go to jail kind of guy. What what are your think? What what do you think? Uh, my thought is we absolutely need to do a tier list of uh, the scamsters that we've talked about on this show over the years. That is great right. content. Right. Um I no, mean, I, like yeah, I, I Anna agree Delvey and, is S tier, I think. But she didn't really need to go to jail. Well like, here's we the thing. Here's her. the thing. Yeah. Bankman Freed, he's worse. He's objectively worse because yeah. there are so many people like there are people who have lost their livelihoods. And I think to your point, like, uh, uh, yeah, maybe he's not S tier, but there are the, I think the people who did invest in crypto and keep it in the in the firm, like a bank account, like you should have the right to to expect that that money will be stable, that it won't be taken out of your account and 
use to gamble with and to invest with um, and to buy real estate with. Like, that's so blatant. It's so blatantly bad. It's just wrong. It's so illegal. Um, And, you know, like those people, even if they are, have, you know, put some stake in cryptocurrency, like they're they're victims of this 100%. It's also worth saying we have politicians out there like encouraging their constituents to uh, invest in, in cryptocurrency, including, I believe, Christian Christian Gillibrand, uh, yeah. if I'm rem- remembering correctly. So that's fair. I'm, I'm actually going to upgrade uh, S tier needs to go to jail. That's not the point here. So let's let's go through this. Um, you know, Maxine Waters had sent a very feisty tweet saying, hey, it's time for you to come talk to Congress. Guys say, when you're CEO and you're brought in to go talk to Congress, it's usually not to go, you're doing a great job, buddy. We, we love you. Like, it's going to be a bad day. And he puts out this you know, typical Sam Bankman freed. Aw, shucks. Gee, I'm just a poor bumbling <laughs> fool here. He's like, oh, I don't have access to my information and I wouldn't be able to be as helpful as I would like, but I'll still show up, y'all. Oh, it's I'm such a ridiculous publicity campaign that he, or like defense campaign that he is attempting to run right. as an individual, as if he doesn't have lawyers. Like, because I, I can't imagine that they're recommending that he run a a bumpkin defense campaign. That's ridiculous. You know what this would be? This would be like if Christina Warren, if Taylor Swift tickets were not impossible to get, and both of us gave Christina, like, let's say $1,000 to get both of us Taylor Swift tickets, like, you know, just somewhere, right? And then she's talking, she's like, oh, gee whiz, y'all, I'm trying. <laughs> well, I didn't realize I'd have to get went. in the queue at 7 a.m. Oh, it's so hard. And like, then I spent <laughs> your money on Coldplay tickets instead. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow it ended up like we call BS. Like Christine, we can't you can't play dumb. We know you're smart. Like, right? And with the further details that have been coming out, like they their group chat was called Wire, called Wire Fraud. Fraud. And freaking um, oh my god, there was another detail that came out about Ellison's Tumblr. Um Oh gosh, where she she had also referenced wire fraud. I'm I'm forgetting where I read this now, so I'm I apologize for that. But it it just it really seems like I I I am struggling to understand what was going on here, other than gross hubris yes. piled on top of incompetence. Yes. Okay. Completely agree. I'm getting off topic with just what a sad, bad person this is. So yeah. let's stay on topic with the indictment. Okay. So, Civil charge um, or uh, defraud, defrauding investors. 100%. So I was talking to Maxine Waters. He was supposed to go before Congress and testify, right? Um, so I think the the timing of being uh, arrested in the Bahamas and then uh, their their uh, minister uh, putting out a statement saying, uh, you know, we're going to extradite him to the United States very quickly, it, that really caught my eye, right? Like, mm-hmm. it seems to me that you might want to wait on that because then he comes, sits in front of a Congress makes a butt of himself in front of the whole world. Um, you know, even Congress gets to dunk on him, something I've been enjoying doing on Twitter. Um, so I think the, the the timing of it was very suspect. I've heard theories that there there were discussions of um, basically uh, the Bahamas uh, basically having control of these billions of dollars oh. and then there being like a financial motive to keep him there in the Bahamas rather than extradite him at that point, which is why they kind of stepped uh, the foot on the gas as far as prosecuting him. I haven't seen that substantiated in major okay. media, but it certainly seems plausible to me knowing the, the history of those kinds of relations. Um, so I think overall, um, this is very good. And I really have to rub egg in the face of the many, many uh, bros out there that hate leftists on Twitter, including uh, Elon Musk, who are like, well, he donated to Democrats, so he'll never be charged. That's not true. And, <laughs> and you know, um, I think we've shown yet again, that the Democratic Party cares 
more about doing something that's right than winning elections. So there it is. It truly, <laughs> I, I was thinking about that as I was reading through the coverage today. I think the, the Vox piece pointed out that actually like he, not just as himself, like I think as himself, he mostly donated to Democrats, but he was using the money and like making fraudulent donations through like other companies and other identities to donate across party lines. So he was Correct. kind of playing, playing both sides um, in a way that I would like to read more into. And I'm sure that somebody is is currently doing like the full deep dive into where exactly his political donations went. Um, but I, I was thinking about that. I was having like a a nightmare moment as I was reading through it going, oh, my God, what if somebody in Congress is like, all right, he donated two dollars to Joe Biden now. <laughs> It's a fraudulent election, baby. <laughs> Impeach you know him. Say that anyway. You know they're going I, to. I know, I know. It's just ridiculous. Um, what do you think of the tack that they are? I mean, they're taking a similar tack to the one in the Holmes case, where it is. It's less about those individual people who had like cryptocurrency in the exchange, and more about the investors. Am I yeah. correct in that? Uh, yes, uh, that's dead on. I think that uh, a pattern you frequently see with prosecutors is, you know, they don't have to. When they bring a case um, very often to get in front of a judge, and especially when extradition is involved, they're going to bring forth the, the strongest case that they can make before a mm-hmm. judge, right? So um, just because these are the charges we're starting off with, that doesn't mean more charges are not going to be added on later. Um, I don't know how much you watch the YouTube channel, uh, CoffeeZilla. Do you ever watch him? Uh, no, I don't. So, uh, look, look, I mean, over overall, not great politics, you know, but uh, overall, a decent guy. So he had been, um, he's kind of an investor, kind of bro YouTuber guy. Okay. And he had been leaping into a lot of these Twitter spaces that Sam Bankman Freed had been doing and was asking him the most pointed, hardcore technical analysis questions, basically trying to capture him in a lie. Like we praised the New York Times interview for being tough on him. Uh, This was harder and even more technical. And I believe it was the fourth time that he tried, he actually got Sam Bankman Freed to admit on the call that the account oh. that um, that people um, had their money into. So let's say Simone, you have um, one thousand bitcoins, right? Mm-hmm. You give it to me to hold in the Bank of Brianna, a very safe bank, right? And then the Bank of Brianna also has our investment arm over here, and it's like, hey, look, we're going to be doing some risky trading. We'll try ten x your money, but go ahead and invest it over here. Uh, according to the terms of service, if you put it in the Bank of Brianna, the um, like ten x side of the the business is not going to be touching your money. That's yeah. in the terms yeah. of service. He got Sam Bankman Freed to admit there was commingling of funds. Oh, which is admitting to fraud in my view. Yeah. So, you know, that was the point. Like if I were a prosecutor, I would go take that clip and just take that to a judge and be like, case closed. Like, mm-hmm. like we don't need Scooby-Doo this time. We're, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, it's interesting because I, I think my my understanding is with the Holmes case, Part of the reason they went with that is because it's just easier when the amounts of money are so large as they were with the investors versus, you know, the patients who were lied to it. It's easier to get more time. Um, And just because of the way that our legal system is set up, I guess with this, I I, I don't know, the it, it feels so much more blatantly illegal to your point, to what you were just saying, what he was doing with those customers funds versus what she was doing, which is not to say what she was doing was good, but just like there is this nebulous like, oh, but who who knew about it? And were the results actually that bad? And oh, but they were getting tested on machines that did work. So and they were getting real results. So maybe maybe it's OK that they were lying about what the machines were that they were tested on. Like it is a very kind of dense case, even though people were genuinely hurt by it. I can see it being maybe difficult to prove in court with a number on it. Okay, what is the harm here? 
Um, whereas this, like, it's it's millions of dollars. <laughs> Come on, it's literally commingling of funds. Um, so yeah, to your point, I wouldn't be surprised. I guess I would be hopeful that that we'll see additional charges, especially when it comes to just the the regular people who invested or who who had money in the exchange and who expected that money to be treated um, non fungibly. <laughs> <laughs> As it were. Any final thoughts on SBF before we move on for the week? I I just want to say, you know, I mean, I think Christina and I are both fairly cynical people. But at the same time, you know, I think neither of us truly believed Elizabeth Holmes was going to meet justice before those charges were brought. And she did. She met justice. Same thing with Sunny Balwani. Um, you know, I think that we are living in a time of diminished faith in American institutions. And to my, in my analysis, every single time we can take a Sam Bankman Freed and we can see justice done, I think it's helping rebuild public trust in America. And, you know, I don't take that lightly. I, mm-hmm. I love this country. I do think at our best, we can do great things. I think that, you know, we've fallen very far from that in recent years, but this is exactly what we need to see. Like putting mm-hmm. left versus right aside, looking and, and going after white collar criminals that are hurting bad actors. You know, here in Massachusetts, we just elected uh, Maura Healy, who has a, a track record um, of basically prosecuting white collar crime in the exact same way. Um, I, I'm really proud of the Justice Department for pursuing this case. Uh, we will obviously be covering it, but it's it's really good to see these first steps uh, being taken for justice um, to, to see justice for the victims. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I I definitely foresee uh, punishment, <laughs> crime and punishment <laughs> in the future. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by StoryWorth. If you're spending time with loved ones for the holidays, chances are you're going to hear a lot of stories. The ones you love to hear, maybe the ones you've heard too many times. But have you ever wondered what it would be like to document those timeless stories? It can be challenging to write an entire book of life memories, but StoryWorth makes it fun and easy. This is how anyone can write a book about their life. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a single life-related question that you pick from their collection, like what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life, or what's the farthest you've ever traveled? All they have to do is reply with a story. Then, after a year, StoryWorth compiles all your loved ones' stories, memories, and even photos in a keepsake book. Millions of stories have already been told with StoryWorth because they make the process so simple. Get started with your loved ones for the holidays, and before you know it, you'll both be able to reflect on those timeless stories for generations to come. I personally, like, I adore hearing stories uh, from my parents, from other family, older family members, uh, but I have a terrible freaking memory. I am constantly needing to, <laughs> it's like... true. It's I know. True. My dad will tell me something, like, really, like, he he drove race cars as a kid, or not as a kid, like, as a teen slash young adult. I cannot remember. I know it was in Canada. I can't remember, like, what race class or race series he drove in. And I know I've asked him this before, like I have pictures of it, but I know like, God forbid, if something happened to him today or tomorrow, I would like that information, like maybe it's in Signal or WhatsApp somewhere, but there's nowhere that it is like recorded in a way where I'm going to meaningfully remember it and be able to look back and be like, oh yeah, my dad did this thing. Um, that's like, I mean, I think about that a lot with my my grandmother who passed away a few years ago. She told me so many stories and there are so few of them where I remember like all of the details that she considered relevant or important to her. And so I'm that's that's just kind of how memory works. Um, and so that's why I think this is a really cool and important thing, because like, it, you you know, you always you, you, you don't necessarily <laughs> uh, future proof uh, your family's legacy in this way. But you can in a way that is like really low lift and um, fun for both of you to do. So 100 percent. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com 
com slash rockets and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash rockets to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash rockets. Our thanks to Storyworth for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I was right? I was talking to Frank and you know, it's like when when you get to a certain age, it's like you don't need a you, know, you don't need that video game for Christmas because <laughs> if you want it, you can go buy it yourself. Yeah. Like the only stuff that really matters is you know, stuff exactly like this, right? Like stories, yeah, it's something time meaningful a hundred percent. So um that it just it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what to do. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, wow. Speaking of loading information, perhaps into your brain or <laughs> onto your phone, according to Bloomberg, according to our good old pal Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg, oh. Apple is ready to comply with EU rules on sideloading in iOS 17. These new rules are going to come into effect in 2024. The relevant part is the Digital Markets Act, which aims to ensure that quote-unquote open markets uh, exist on connected devices. That would require Apple allowing customers to install apps that didn't make it into the App Store uh, through sideloading. Apple would also be required to allow third-party payment systems in those apps. Um, this would be a EU only thing, theoretically, although I personally think, I mean, Apple's probably, if, if they have to do it in the EU, they're going to be invested in making a framework for this to potentially affect other markets as well. And there are some shenanigans that they could still pull. Uh, they could have security or verification requirements for the apps, or they could charge for sideloading apps, but we will see. Um, like I said, those new rules aren't uh till 2024 but they're they're getting started they're 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 future proofing as i i think <laughs> i said before yeah so that's that that's probably one of the biggest changes that could possibly happen to the the walled garden oh, it's of ios yeah i mean this is <laughs> do you know that moment in lord of the rings where they have the trebuchet and it comes <laughs> and just knocks over like you see the cgi rocks flying everywhere this this is that um, I caught ten levels of hell on Twitter. Oh yeah, for for being against this. Um, you know, I think generally speaking, um, I think anyone listens to you know our work on this show um, knows I'm overwhelmingly for regulating technology. I do think we need a stronger hand as far as uh, determining rules of privacy. I think, uh, you know, despite the warts uh, GDPR, I'm for that. I think some of the European regulations, like, um, you know, mandating that you can't make your own charger, that you charge like $40 for it needs to work with USB. I think overall that's a win. Um, in this individual one specific case, it's the exception that proves the rule. To my mind, um, mm. you know, I I feel like you have choice out there and different people are bringing different things to the market, right? I mean, like you, Simone, if you were to ever buy a car, you're probably not going to buy go buy a Porsche 911, right? You're going to go buy something <laughs> that makes more sense for you in New York City, right? A um, smart car. <laughs> right, or, or, or anything else. Maybe for you, maybe the electric Amazon delivery van, like you said. <laughs> what don't if know. I got a Mercedes, Brianna? Sorry, no, yes, if you yes. finish your point, I'm so sorry. No, no, my, my <laughs> point is, you and I have different needs. We prioritize different things, and there are different products out there in the market for you. I think if you're a person that wants sideloading, and you're bothered by the idea of um, uh, not being able to put whatever you want on your device or run whatever you want, I think there's a huge thing out there in the market for you, right? It's called Android. Um, and mm. you can download, you can buy it. It's cheaper than iOS, right? You, you have that option already. What I want with the App Store is security. Um, I need to know that I can hand my grandmother a, a, a phone and that she's not going to get a call from scammers, uh, you know, in India saying, hey, this is Bank of America. You've been hacked. 
click this link and sideload this app, open up your bank account in WebKit, and we can help you with the fraud. And then a few days later, like all of her life savings are gone. Mm. Like that is an absolutely believable thing that could happen here. So um, it's going to be very implementation dependent on just what the damage to the Apple iOS ecosystem is, but it's certainly not going to be zero. And I'm very against this. Yeah, I mean, you raise a really good point, which is how this could be used by scammers to maliciously trick people into sideloading apps. I think previously when we had discussed this, um, we talked about the Charger case a couple weeks ago and about the new iPhones being required to use USB-C for charging. And I think at the time, Christina and I thought that this was a very silly overreach of government for the specific reason that like I I I really struggle as I said at the time I'll say it again I struggle to imagine a large number of people being meaningfully affected by uh pe- being upsold on these mythical fancy chargers that are being I guess provided by phone phone suppliers who I I don't think are Apple like that it's requiring not just Apple to use USB-C, but everyone, um, ostensibly to protect people. I, I don't, I just, I struggle to see that as a problem. Being targeted by scammers and malicious apps, that's a real problem. <laughs> and as you very ably pointed out, like, Android exists. Android is the other biggest operating system on this planet. It is a duopoly. These are the two choices. And if you want an open garden that you can do things with. Android is that for you. They have their own security measures. I don't think it's an unsafe platform by any means, but uh, you're right. Like people, people have more ways to customize it, more thing, more ways to play with it. And that's okay. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see, I, I would love to hear from listeners. If you have an Apple device and you want to be on iOS, but you also want to be able to sideload apps for whatever reason. I would honestly love to hear like what it is about it that you find tempting. Well, can, I give I get- you, can I give you a use case of this? Yeah, sure, please. Um, so uh, even though they were extremely mean to me and attacked me in deeply personal terms, uh, I'm going to make the case for a group that is affected by this. Um, So sex workers, right? Um, Mm. If you are on um, an iOS device, um, I forgive me, I don't use these apps, but as I understand it, like OnlyFans, uh, I can't imagine that can get into the app store or, you know, solicitation, you know, basically sex work apps. Uh, those would probably not get through the App Store approval process. So there are people out there um, that that work in those fields that want to develop apps and have more freedom to run ads and things like that, uh, basically um, promoting their goods. Um, I, I personally, I took a lot of heat when I ran for Congress on this. I think sex work should be more normalized here in the United States. Um, I think when you keep it in the shadows, I think you're trying to harm a community. That said, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I am of the belief that if you want to do OnlyFans, uh, you can do that in a safari, in my view, right? Um, I think a, a parent should be able to hand their kid a phone uh, with the app store on it and let them download games without worrying they're going to run mm-hmm. across, you know, basically sex work apps, in my view. Um, but that is a case of an, an industry that is currently excluded from you know the iOS market, which is a large market, and they would like to have entry there. Now, that is a really good point. And as you were talking, it also occurred to me, like, obviously, this um, be the requirement to allow third-party payment, to my understanding, would potentially allow developers as a community to avoid app store fees, um, which I imagine many would right. like to do. That being said, like I mean, uh, we we could adjudicate. We could be here all day debating like whether Apple is doing good things with with what it charges uh, developers to be in the I app store. I don't think we disagree that they. I don't think they, they could are. do better. Yeah. yeah, they could do a lot better. Like yeah, and the problems that you're describing of like not not that OnlyFans is a junk app, but it's not like there are not 
unsafe apps on the app store right now like there's definitely for in terms of like kids and scams and stuff there's definitely more that could be done um so that that fee that is being charged is kind of like oh, okay what are we doing with that anyway i could definitely understand developers uh being excited about the potential to get on the phones and be in that market the biggest uh os market uh or second biggest in the world um for for less money okay fine that being said, as a consumer, I am just, I don't know. It wouldn't affect me personally because right now, currently, I'm not in Europe and I'm not going to sideload apps. However, I think your grandmother scenario, like, is relevant. And kids as well. Like, kids could definitely, I think, fall victim to scam app links and sideloading, um, depending on how difficult it is to do which i guess brings us back to some of the ways that apple could maintain a little bit of control over over the system as i i from a developer standpoint brie i'm wondering like i've had partitioned um computers before like uh, apple computers where i have you know um mac os and then like a windows partition would it be possible to like segment off sideloaded apps in their own just like contained area is that something that could yeah. be done for safety oh certainly you could sandbox I and mean, there's not a partition function currently in ios as i'm sure you know um but like uh, ios already has sandboxing enabled on it um in a lot of the way apple develops this it's going to be very execution dependent i think that's very insightful to you to be thinking ahead with that you know on the the mac os the way that um what is it called gatekeeper guardian gate, gate guardian something like that basically the the cert signing uh, function on mac os works is um you know, you have the the highest level of trust, which is things you buy in the Mac App Store. Um, and those are, you know, you have a certificate digitally signed by Apple. Generally speaking, you can really have a lot of trust that that stuff is safe, right? Mm -hmm. Then a lower level is um, I, I downloaded the Discord app, right, to install my Mac. Uh, I didn't get that through the Mac App Store, but Apple knows Discord. They know they're a reputable developer, so they allow those to be installed normally on a Mac without any issues, right? Okay. Um, then there's the lowest level which is when something is highly risky and it's unsigned, you have to like go to you know, security preferences, sign in, type your password, and click a modal dialog box saying, <laughs> I understand the risk here. Um, you know, which is, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but that's that's a pretty good way to do it. Like it makes it pretty hard to run those apps and um, but lets people like me do it. I can see an implementation like that on iOS. That said, Simone, this is really, and I hope this is not tr too honest, but when I was a teenager in the 90s, I went to sites and I downloaded things that gave my computer viruses. I, I just did. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was very young and I thought I knew what I was doing and I have broken my computer in many, 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 yes. many it's different ways. It's a time-honored tradition. Maybe we should be for this. Maybe we right. should be for kids breaking their phones just like we <gasps> yes. did to our parents' PCs back in the day. A hundred percent, except if you think about it, like, uh, yeah, I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just trying to be real. Like, let's say a kid is looking at porn on their phone, Right. Something normal for a kid to do, no judgment there whatsoever. The difference is, like, computers in the 90s did not have a webcam and a microphone hooked up to it. Yeah. So let's say they get a hold of that, a video or a recording of that, and then they're, like, texting back to you, like, go to this crypto site or we're going to tell people, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, I can really see kids ending up hurt by this because if there's a way to, you know, circumvent these, these rules on, on their iOS devices, they're, yeah. they're, they're going to do it. And, uh, you know, again, kids are always going to make these mistakes. That's just life. You can't guard against all of you it. You know but, what? Yeah. Regular old adults like us will probably make these mistakes too. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not me. I, I put not a lot like, of money Yeah, maybe not yeah. like us. But. 
<laughs> oh, now watch me try to like erroneously sideload some scam Formula One app. Or remember when I freaking tried to give um ski gear scammers my credit card info and Capital One saved yes, my life? Yes, I'm I a do. fool. Um, I'm so sorry. I've derailed you once again. No, that's just it. I, I'm just saying these are the scenarios where this could go wrong. And, uh, you know, there it is. So, yeah. you know, Simone, please, uh, I'm going to text you some links just to test you. And it's going to be like, hi, this is Charles Leclerc. Like, <laughs> please, please click my totally safe app. Come join my community. He, he's going to yes. have an app like Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yes. Oh, with like no. special photos and videos. Um, I had one more thought. What was it? Oh, gosh. About this. Um, oh, yeah. I guess it was just about Apple's relationship with consumers. Because obviously, up till now, Apple itself as a company has prioritized like, okay, we we care about safety. We care about security. Um, and that is something that we are talking about in our, our keynotes. When Tim Cook gets up on stage, he's talking about how secure the iPhone is. At, do you think that at some point, do you think that that desire to be the secure device is coming from within the house? Or do you think that it's in some way a response to perceived market pressure? And that like, if these laws keep passing in the EU, et cetera, et cetera, there will come a day when Apple will be like, I guess people don't care. I guess yeah. they don't care about it. So why or, are we bothering to be off? a product that makes sense. No, I think that's exactly right, Simone. Uh, this is going to, it, it's certainly going to affect that common perception of how Apple markets themselves. And it, it's going to put a dent in that reputation. It's also going to, um, you know, diminish the, the amount of choice in the world for people that care about cybersecurity. So I, I think mm. you've got that exactly right there. All right. This episode of A Rocket is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best artists, icons, and leaders anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. With over 180 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. For example, you can learn creative writing from Margaret Atwood. You can learn screenwriting from Aaron Sorkin. Uh, you can learn about disruptive entrepreneurship from Richard Branson. Or you could discover the art of business strategy with Bob Iger. Uh, all people who are very... They're very much experts in their spaces, um, as well as I from from my my personal my personal brand my personal care. As I mentioned before, Lewis Hamilton uh, is an instructor on Masterclass. Uh, he he talks about having a success mindset, um, and there's no one in the world to me who is more successful than him. I really wonder if he's going to update the um, the uh, class. Now that he's had a, his very first Formula One season without a win, uh, which in my mind does not make him less successful. It's simply dealing with adversity. Um, <laughs> but seriously, like uh, also, also, I should say uh, Marques Brownlee is on Masterclass as well. He is, of course, YouTuber um, MKBHD. He makes really, really incredible uh, tech reviews. Uh, he's also he's worked with Vox before on on one of our series. Um, he has a course on making compelling videos, uh, which I think could be useful for anyone who is interested in getting into the competitive space of of YouTube currently. Masterclass gives you cinema quality classes that offer unparalleled access to a host of renowned instructors. You can explore lessons in any order you like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, on the go as well with audio mode. And lessons of approximately 10 to 15 minutes means it can easily fit into your everyday life. So whether you want to learn how to make a dinner worthy of a Michelin star, I personally do, or just how to make really good scrambled eggs, that, that would be useful too. Whatever you're interested in, there's a class for you with over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors that you know and love. I highly recommend that you check it out. This holiday, you can give the perfect gift of an annual Masterclass membership and get one free. 
Go to masterclass.com slash rocket today. That's masterclass.com slash rocket. Terms apply. Our thanks to Masterclass for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Da 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 da. Hearing Lewis talk, honestly, it's it's so soothing to me. He has such a like a compelling and uh, just fascinating way of speaking. He has this like very pan international accent, um, and he is just like the chillest person in the world, despite all of the hardships that he's been through. Oh, yeah, that's how I feel. So, um, update for the show: uh, Christine is texting us to let us know she did get her her twenty five hundred calories of dark meat chicken. Wow! That I sent her, and that's so. what I call a masterclass in being a good friend. Oh, I don't know. Would you eat? like if you if you were feeling sick? Would you want to eat chicken? I don't know if I'm trolling her. Probably. Or, really? Oh man! I mean. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's Christina, so yeah. A hundred percent. I always want like Panera. Like that's the only time I oh, hit the Panera soups? app. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that would be my go-to as a sick person is soup. Um from from somewhere not me. However, it's Christina again. So like what are we gonna do? hundred percent. Christina's gonna Christina. Um, hey. Let's talk about some video video games. So what we're going to do, do yeah. your idea, actually, do you want to explain uh, the structure of your idea for the listeners? So, you know, obviously, I, Simone, you and I have different tastes in games, we right? Do. So um, I think if we were trying to decide between the two of us, um, I think it would not be a great exercise nope. <laughs> as far as determining like the official game of the year. So I thought what we could do is uh, we could just talk about three games that came out in 2022 that you played a lot of and then just give your personal game of the year, the thing that you played the most. And um, I can start first if you want to, if you want me to, or you can go first, whichever uh, way. Why don't you go first? So um, I want to be really honest. Um, this, I think, except for a few outliers, was not a great year for video games. Um, if you look at the biggest things that came out, Elden Ring, I certainly enjoyed that. It's a good game. I know it's like most people's game of the year. No argument if you like that. I played it. I enjoyed it. I gave up like 50 hours in. I'll probably go back and finish it at some point. To me, it's just not going to be a game I pick up like a decade from now, right? It was mm-hmm. a, a one and done experience, like a very well done game. Uh, but I'm really excited to see what comes from that game design next. Uh, another really big game that came out is God of War Ragnarok. This is just me, but that is a series traditionally that's just so... I, like for a story-based game, it's got to have women in it for me to be interested in it. And mm-hmm. it's just traditionally what I've known of God of War and everything I've ever seen about it. It's just not that. So, you know, I know um, there are a lot of people out there that find that story really meaningful. Maybe I'll play it at some point. I just, I played the first Gods of War on PlayStation. I've never enjoyed it. I've never seen anything to really connect with me about that uh horizon forbidden west uh just was so checkpointy uh like follow the marker i couldn't get into that so i've really been like when i was looking through what the industry's biggest games were this year that there were some really good things like Elden ring but to be really honest, all the games I played the most and the games I'm going to remember the most fondly were were much, much, much smaller games. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm just going to go off and name three of them and then give my game of the year. Cult of the Lamb, it's not my game of the year, but it is a very, very, very good game. Um, it's by Devolver Digital. It's got this really, really cute art style. Um, and the idea of it is you are a lamb trapped in a roguelike. Um, and you're out there to like um, kill these people that are, are fighting your cult uh, and uh, basically like get all this dark power. So you've got all this crazy cult stuff going on, like reanimating the dead and forcing people to marry each other (laughs) and eating gruel and cleaning up poop in your compound. 
um, and all uh, these horrific things. Yeah, oh, it's horrible, but it's really cute at the same time. <laughs> so it, it, it's a really, really addictive gameplay loop. I played that a lot. It was extremely buggy on PlayStation 5, but it was one of those games that I beat it and I picked it up and immediately started a new playthrough. So um, very high marks to that. Um, another game that I played this year and really, really enjoyed quite a bit was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, uh, uh, Shredder's Revenge. It was a um, basically a continuation of uh, the TMNT games, the beat-em-ups you remember from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was made by the same team that did Streets of Rage 4. I don't feel like it had as much depth, but as far as being like a, a nostalgia um, a nostalgia bomb. Um, it was certainly that, and I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Also, you got to play as April O'Neil finally in one of these games, and I was really happy about that. Um, the game, the third game that did not make my game of the year, but I certainly played a lot of, was Gran Turismo 7. Um, this is a really, really long delayed game. We never really got a Gran Turismo 6 that was was great. Um, I think it's fair to say the PS4 generation did not have a great Gran Turismo game. Um, this was a great Gran Turismo game. They screwed it up a bit um, with some of the microtransactions and making it hard to grind and get cars. But overall, the, the model was good. The storytelling was great. Just to give you a quick example, Simone, like mm-hmm. I love, um, um, so the Nissan Z series, right? So there's a, a story mission in the game where you've got to go out and get like a modern Nissan Z and then Nissan Z from the 90s and then one from the 60s. And then they bring out the person that oversaw the design of the Z cars to like explain the history of those cars and oh. the features that made them notable. It, it's basically like a, it's basically helping inculcate you into car culture and, and why the things we love matter historically. Okay. Um, so it was really good. The The downside to that is the music sucked. The menus sucked. Um, <sighs> and it was really, really grindy compared to something like Forza Horizon. But overall, like I certainly finished this game and, and loved it every step of the way. My personal game of the year this year is a very controversial choice, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I was checking my stats uh, before the show. I played almost 200 hours of this game. And that is Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy. Oh, God. <laughs> the game with, I'm going to kill chaos. 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 So if you don't know this game, it is basically it's the same formula as Elden Ring, but it's Final Fantasy. Yes. And the <laughs> character it's based on is so angry and furious. And I feel like I can spoil it at this point. Um, you are playing as the Four Fiends from the original Final Fantasy. This is the original, the origin story that has not been told of where the Four Fiends came from, who they were, and why Garland is sitting in that castle in the 1985 NES game. Um, (sighs) The combat in this game is so, so, so good and so rewarding. It is so good. Like, this is a game that is going to destroy you, and you're going to fail at it over and over and over and over. But once it gets its hooks into you, and you understand what you're doing, you'll be playing these missions with other people, and you will just really, really fall into it. It's made by the same people that did Neo and Neo 2, and I just have to say, I, I love this game. It's cheesy. It's over the top. It's machismo, but it is beautiful. And I loved it. <laughs> I, I am so glad that you found a cringe home in 
God, what even it? Sorry, what's the title Stranger again? Stranger of Paradise. Stranger of Paradise. SOP. That's S- what we call uh, it. Yes. We'll call it SOP. Um, because when the trailers for that first came out, I don't think anybody, anybody in the entire world thought, oh, yeah, that looks great and normal. Well, what do you think of it? I mean, you've, you haven't played it, I assume. What do you think of it as someone on the outside? I, I completely trust you. And for, I've heard from multiple sources that, like, despite the very cheesy trailer and, like, the way the main character looks so generic. But I, I've heard from not just you that it is really, really fun. I think the the only thing that's keeping me from playing it is just the length. Like I can usually only do one of those big temple games a year. Yep. Um, I would like to object to a statement that you made before, though, uh, about this not being a good year for games. I, oh. I think it's just not a good year for those like those big name games that you were mentioning. But like you said, there have been so many good and interesting and weird smaller games and i uh, like to me that speaks more to the health uh or at least richness and depth of the games industry than like having a new good big role-playing game um elden ring took up a lot of the air in the room this year um you know being released in the middle of a bunch of smaller games earlier in the year some of which are my favorites um and but also like right up against um Horizon Forbidden West, uh, which was like, as you said, fine, (laughs) (laughs) not not groundbreaking. Uh, Yeah, I I think I think what we're seeing is sort of a a stagnation at the top, but a lot of really interesting stuff happening further down. And I as before I go into my uh, three or four games that I really enjoyed, I am not. I did not play as many games this year as I wanted to, and I I should have played more. And I I ah, have regrets and <laughs> a lot of homework to do over the holidays. You play for fun, if you well, you do work at Polygon, but well, that's the thing. Like when I fun. like yeah. log off at the end of the day, like there there's other stuff that I need to do that I where like it's so much easier to put on a TV show because then yeah. I can do other stuff. Uh, whereas with a game, it just commands my whole attention. And as as I proved last week by talking about Age of Empires, when I play a game, I like to sit and do it for five hours without standing or stopping in any way, even if I am in physical pain. So <laughs> these are my issues to deal with. Anyway, um, the first game that really captured my imagination this year is Strange Horticulture. Uh, which is oh. a puzzle game uh, came out. It's on PC. I believe it's on switch as well. Now uh, switch now as well is the order that those words should come in. In that sentence, you play the owner of a small spooky plant store in, in a town um, in an area that's loosely based on the lakes district in, in England, but um, fanciful and dark and strange and you have a bunch of plants and people come into your plant shop and they ask for specific plants for, say, uh, remedies for uh, poor hearing or because they're hearing screams upstairs and they want to do an exorcism or something. And you, with your you know pile of unidentified plants, flip through a book and try to identify like, OK, according to the book, this plant will increase someone's hearing. And it has long curved stems and a blue flower. Now let me look at my plants and see which one fits that description. And you kind of have to examine them and figure out like, okay, I think this is the one. And then you can label them. Meanwhile, you're also solving a murder mystery. This game like ticked so many of my boxes in terms of just like what activities I like to do in a game. And then also the the puzzle solving and murder mystery aspect. I just adored. Um, it's pretty short. I got through it in two sessions, I think. Ooh. And it actually has some replay value. I was streaming it with um, my coworker, Tina, last week. Uh, and I started a fresh save file. And um, I definitely, I, I still enjoyed, like, figuring out what plants people needed. And then there's also uh, some choices that you can make. Like, there's a guy early on who comes in and is like, Hey, that other plant you gave me gave me terrible rashes. How dare you? I'm being mean to you. Give me something to fix it. And you can choose to either give him a plant that will cure the rashes or a plant that will make them worse. Um, And I definitely, I had a pretty Paragon playthrough my first time. So this time we elected to uh, not improve his health. Um, (laughs) 
And there are many, many other more meaningful choices you can make throughout the game as well. So I, I'm actually more invested now in replaying it than I thought I would be. Um, another one that I thought was super clever that came out uh, slightly more recently is Case of the Golden Idol. This is another fantastic mystery game. Sorry, I'm hiccuping because I just drank so much coffee. Oh, my God fantastic mystery game where you uh you're presented with a tableau that's sort of suspended in animation um and you click on things in that tableau to learn about them like say someone has a piece of paper in their pocket you can open that up and see read that letter but then you can click on things in the letter that are underlined to collect those words in your clue bank so say the name of the character um you click it then you have that name in your clue bank and to solve the mystery, you read through all the clues and then you go into another pane on the screen. And it's essentially like Mad Libs where you're trying to plug in like, OK, blank, blank, killed blank, blank with blank, blank, because blank after blank, blank. And you, you're basically just taking like all the data that you've learned and concocting from from what you've gleaned from the context. Like, OK, I think that this is what happened. And all of the scenes that you're solving and the mysteries that you're solving end up being interconnected. That's not a spoiler. Like within the first two, you're like, oh, that guy's has the same last name. They're related. But the way in which they're interconnected is a very fun surprise. Uh, and it gets so complicated as you go through the cases. Like the last one, when Clayton and I got to the very, very final mystery of the game, we were like, oh my God, there's no way we're going to be able to get through this. But we did. Um, and it's just, it's all about like taking really detailed notes and um, picking up on context clues for things. And it, it was such a fun, like good brain exercise for me so that uh i super duper enjoyed and then my other third game that i spent the most time with this year would be vampire survivors actually Ooh. and like returning to the the thread of good good indie games like this is a game that came out um like it, it's so minimalist it released with a free browser version i think it was like 3.99 on steam um, and you just move a character around a screen and projectiles come out of you and kill vampires and they come at you in increasingly difficult waves and you're just trying to survive for 30 minutes. Um, very minimal like ask on on the part of the player. You're just moving around. But the payoff is is huge. It's very satisfying on this like primal level because you're watching you're upgrading your um, various projectile powers and just becoming this like whirling ball of death. And there is uh, there's some luck to it and there's some skill to it as well uh, in terms of just like weaving through the enemies and picking up enough um, XP to power up your your projectiles. And it's it was very um, the times that I spent with it were, you know, like between, you know, in the middle of a like a long day of work, like being like, OK, I'm just going to just a couple rounds of vampire survivors. It's so easy to pick up and put down. It's so simple and yet it is so addictive and so fun at the same time. Yeah, it's really one of those games you can play while you're watching television. Absolutely. And, like look up and, you know, just just tune out. It's it's a great game. And it's on Steam Deck. It is. <laughs> and it's very optimized for it. Uh however, my game of the year is Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. I'm, I'm the sorry Elden Ring about gamer. all those things I said. I take it all back. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, that's the thing about it is it's so subjective, right? And like Elden Ring for me, not only did I find it just like gorgeous and stunning and engrossing in every way, it was also really cool for me because I had not played a From Software game before. I had like, well, I had like, I picked them up in various situations like for streams and stuff always been very very bad at them always considered like that cycle of okay you're gonna go get punished and die like that's not for me um i probably can't do that i'm i, I don't learn <laughs> i'm gonna be bad at it and so Elden Ring. Oh, wow i know I'm, I'm really talking myself up um i something just compelled me to get elden ring and i did not regret it for a second i found it so fun i i loved the cycle i loved the um i loved the gameplay i loved feeling good at it i loved learning um even you know going through that uh that up and down 
sort of uh, cycle of like, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm learning. I'm learning. Now I'm tilting. Now I'm really bad at this. Now I feel like I've forgotten everything that I learned. For some reason, I just can't make it click. Oh, now I'm getting closer than I've ever gotten before. Oh, now I'm fur- now I've died within two seconds. What's happening? Um, I, I just found it so enjoyable. And the the things that you see in that game, you know, I, I was constantly just like, laughing in surprise or joy at some bizarre creature design or some beautiful vista or some like (laughs) annoying jump scare that killed me (laughs) um so for me it was just like hours of discoverability and um also the the confidence that maybe i can be that maybe i'm better than i think i am i'm not i but uh, but I can learn. I possess the ability to learn. So that was, for me, my game of the year. And I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention that Polygon has our top 50 games of 2022 list up oh right now. God. And I'm putting the link in the show notes. There's lots of good stuff on yeah, there that, that I have Stranger played. of Paradise is number one. I'm just going to yep. on the article. Exactly too. right, Brianna. Number one. <laughs> Let me just Google that. Of Ooh. Yep. It's definitely on the list. Don't bother checking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Thanks for listening to me ramble about that. (laughs) We want to hear from Rocket listeners. Let us know what your favorite game uh, of the year was. Yeah. Hey, Brianna, what are you up to this week? Uh, Let's see. Um, So I have been doing... um, I've been doing a ton of Twitter spaces, um, actually bringing in a bunch of people that hate Elon Musk (laughs) and like covering all the trying to get them banned. No, it's been really, really interesting. Like, because like you look at Twitter any day, there's a huge audience of people that want to hear about why Elon sucks. And, um, uh, you know, we've been doing Twitter spaces about that and I'm going to stream it on my, uh, my, uh, Twitch channel tomorrow live. Nice. So we've been bringing in, I don't know if you know, his YouTube channel, uh, common sense skeptic has an exhaustive series on all these thing reasons why Elon's entire, um, empire is based on lies. Like we're not going to Mars. He's looked at all of the data about how your DNA gets cooked in flight and like the, the weight requirements, how much water and food you'd need. It's not going to happen. He's got data on like Starlink, why it's not going to be a sustainable business data on why, uh, must, uh, like his, his stock is so leveraged against other things. He's not that rich. Um, so we're bringing in all these experts. Uh, Edward uh, Niedermeyer, who's been on Rocket before, uh, he's going to be a guest very soon. So we're doing one of those tomorrow at noon. And it's uh, the best part is when we ask pro-Elon people to call in and uh, we get into a yelling match. So <laughs> it's great. I, you got you to gotta, um, maybe tell him to work a little harder on the Mars thing because I think yes. we got to go, Bree. We got to get yeah. up there. I, I'd be willing to go to Mars right now. <laughs> Just put me on the ship. I'm good. All right. Uh, this week, I'm flying home to Washington. I fly oh. out tomorrow, and that is primarily what I am doing. Um, we had the first trailer for a teaser trailer for Spycraft, the documentary that I've been or It's okay. It's a, about the game Spycraft. Uh, it's called The Great Game go up this week um so i'm just kind of in uh my haunting phase uh of just you know finishing putting the final touches on that project um but mostly i'm just heading home to be on vacation um brianna where can we find you online find me at brianna Wu on twitter and you can find me on twitter at doom quasar at youtube.com slash polygon and twitch.tv slash polygon hey if you like this show Please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend about it. Um, And if you're interested in checking out our membership and booster segments, you can go to relay.fm slash membership. Um, And uh, our our members, our boosties, are about to hear us talk a little more about the documentary that I've been working on for the past two years. (laughs) Two freaking years. It's been so long. So long. I, it's not quite two years yet. It's a little, it's like a year and a half at this point. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with you next week, hopefully with Christina in tow and maybe some guests, as, as far as I know. Ooh, hoo, hoo. Stay tuned to find out. 
this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated.